are we here? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is a little bit different than we've done in weeks past. Uh, but we've been having some technical issues with uh, the usual app that we are on. Uh, but nonetheless, we have found a way to still bring you um, our podcast. So starting from the top, welcome to the Bama Factor with Alex Taylor, Cody Saxon, uh, your host, Alex Taylor. Got my co-host and good friend of mine, Cody Saxon, with me on the other end. Cody, how you doing? Pretty good, buddy. Uh, not glad we kind of got these technical issues sorted out, ready to get talking about these first couple games we've seen over the last week. Yes, definitely glad to be back with you after the technical issues last week. Uh, so we're just going to hop uh, straight into it. Obviously, uh, kind of want to say this before we get started, um, Alabama sort of spring practice this week. Uh, we're going to be um, keeping up with you. Uh, we're going to be keeping you up to date on everything um, from the position battles uh, to press conferences with Coach Saban uh, to any injury updates uh, as well. So y'all just stay uh, tuned into the page. And for those of y'all that uh, could not catch the live interviews earlier uh, with two prospects from 2024 and 25 earlier, those are up on the Instagram page for replay. So you guys go check those out. Really good stuff from earlier today. So anyway, we will get straight to it. Um, so round of 64, uh, Alabama, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, uh, final score 96 to 75. They achieved their first 30 win season on the, um, um, in school history, actually. Uh, so that's pretty much all that can be said there, but, uh, so we're just going to go ahead and I'm going to throw it right over to Cody, uh, for some stats from, uh, the round of 64. So Cody, take, Absolutely, buddy. So uh, going up against A&M Corpus Christi, of course, uh, pretty good showing by the boys, a 21-point game. Um, overall, just quick team comparisons. Uh, our field goal percentage was 47 to their 34.7. We were 33 of 70 uh, on total field goals. Three-point percentage was 45.5, so we made 15 of our 33 attempted. Um, free throws, we were 15 for 23. Uh, with a 65%. Now, they were able to get 16 of their 18 free throws for 89%. Now, team rebounds were both uh, close to close to even. We had 48 team rebounds and 44 for uh, A&M Corpus Christi. Um, assists, we had several, uh, a good gap uh, on them when it came to team assists. We still only had the 21, which we've seen Alabama's assists per game floating anywhere between 15 and 30. Um, so right right up the alley that we usually are with team assists. Now, steals, both teams had four. Alabama did have eight blocks. Uh, however, they did have eight total turnovers as well to kind of offset that a little bit. Both teams had 18 fouls. And, of course, Alabama uh, did not trail at any point during that game with the largest lead being 24. And, of course, like I said, the final score being a 21-point margin. Uh, to break down the points, uh, we I know we're going to get into it a little bit more uh, when it comes down to the player points, but uh, Brandon Miller, uh, like I said, we're going to get into it a little bit more in a minute, but surprisingly, uh, no production from him when it comes to points, zero points, but not to take away from the rest of the team, they still scored 96 points. So Clowney had 10, Sears had 15, Quinterly had 13, Pringle went off, had 19, Burnett 11, and then a few sprinkled in there uh, throughout. Uh, rebounding was definitely uh, led by Pringle as well. 
and Bediaco. Pringle had 15 rebounds all to himself. Highly efficient, 80% from field goal. Uh, so just just amazing uh, play by some of those individual players. Uh, definitely picking up the slack uh, in that game from Brandon. Uh, Brandon Miller not having any points. So that is the breakdown for our individual players. Let's talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, Sears, Pringle, and then, of course, Brandon not ha- uh, Brandon Miller not having much production. Uh, for sure. I mean, um, Brandon going scoreless, definitely a surprise. But, uh, and, you know, I've said this to a couple people after that game, you know, they kind of gave me a weird look. But, you know, I was like – but you, but I was just saying, like, hear me out on this. He didn't have to score in that game. I mean, it's Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. It's a 16 seed. I mean, we didn't have to have him score that year. And it just proves we didn't have to have him score. You know, you win by 21. So, I mean, um, and you score all – and, I mean, you're four points shy of 100 points without him scoring. Um, but I think one thing that just shows really the talent and the depth that Alabama has um, – at every position. I mean, you know, you have guys who can fill in for, you know, if your star player struggles and, and, uh, and, you know, Sears finally got his groove going again, you know, Quinterly stepping up, you know, Clowney stepping up and all 10 points he did score, you know, in the first half as well. Uh, Cause the personal fouls kind of kept him on the bench. Uh, but Cody, I know you and I are excited to talk about Pringle and, you know, we talked about him NCAA tournament preview, and unfortunately, that one didn't get to go live. Um, but you were talking about it, and you said Pringle could be an X factor. And the dude, 20 minutes played, 8 of 10, 15 rebounds, 19 points. I mean, led all scores. Uh, was just absolutely just fantastic. I mean, was getting and once was just a presence on the floor. And I think he's really kind of – told Oates, like he said, hey, you need to play me more going forward here. Yeah, I definitely think he proved that on the court, um, especially when, you know, you, there's there's two things that happen when a team's main, uh, which you consider their main score, their main player uh, doesn't produce when it comes to points. It's two things happen. Either the team panics and their field goal percentage is abysmal and they're just jacking up you know, low quality shots, just trying to get on the board. And that, that you see that happen a lot, especially in high pressure situations like this, knowing it's, you know, win or go home. But we did not see that. We saw people like, like we talked specifically Pringle show up and kind of come out of the woodwork a little bit more and say, Hey, look, this is what I can bring to the table when you need me. And that's the thing about this team as a whole is they are great role players. There's so many guys on here that if they played in any other team in the SEC, they be their top scorer, but this team knows their role. And let me tell you, when Pringle got called on, he showed up and he proved himself on that court and uh, obviously leading the team to a win with his production and his rebounding as well. I agree entirely. And just, you know, having that type of, of a player, you know, to come in and it's a little bit of a change up from, you know, a Betty Ako or a Clowney um, for sure. Cause you know, Betty Ako is that guy, you know, he's taller, um, uh, still very athletic, but, uh, you know, Pringle has kind of more of a guard. I'm not going to say like a guard body because he's still tall, but, you know, he has kind of more of the guard agility. And, and uh, you know, he's still able to jump super high. You know, he's able to um, – the putback that he had at the end of that game was, was <laughs> insane. But um, just 
he showed that he can be a presence and that he can be a force going forward, and I think that's huge. And someone else that I think is very huge that needed to break out of a slump was Sears. Um, you know, talking about Sears, you know, especially in the SEC tournament, you know, I think he went three for I want to say eighteen or twenty from three point range in the tournament. So just SEC tournament, he was not playing well, wasn't shooting well, and he gets his groove back. And the three threes that he hit uh, of his uh, fifteen points that he had, um, you know, it's amazing how he achieved that. And I know he hit him in such close succession, but when they came back from commercial, they said Sears hit three threes in 61 seconds. So um, if that's not getting going and getting your groove back, I don't know what is. Um, but, you know, four or five, um, three assists, 15 points, three or four, um, you, know, you, you can't ask really anything else from him. Is uh, there Clowney shot well as well? Gurley hit um, the two threes that he attempted. Uh, Griffin was kind of off, you know, one for five. Burnett really showed up three for six, you know, 15 to 33, 45% from the three-point arc. That's the Alabama we know and love. So, indeed, uh, it's just always good to see those guys um, get the groove back. And uh, Pringle, you're yeah, right. definitely the MVP of that game one. So, we're going to jump into segment two, um, round of 32. And it was a beat down of the Turpins from the great state of Maryland. Um, they defeated Maryland 73-51. to 51. Uh, We will note this is Alabama's second win over Maryland in the last three seasons in the round of 32. Uh, Alabama played them two years ago uh, with that team that consisted of Javon Quinterly, um, Herb Jones, John Petty, Alex Reese, Jaden Shackelford, uh, Jordan Bruner, uh, just a lot of those guys. As well, they got a big win over um, the Turpins in the round of 32 to go to the Sweet 16 the last time they played them. So kind of some similarities in this. Uh, you know, playing the same team, a little different venue, though. Um, and these uh, – I'm excited to jump into these stats because uh, this uh, this game was fun to watch. So I'm going to pass it back over to our stats guy, as always, Cody, and he's going to give you some stats from the Alabama and the Maryland game. So, Cody, it's all your It's the one seed. It's the 16th seed. We kind of knew what we were expecting to see. Now, we weren't riding off any possibilities, but we kind of knew what we were expecting in this game. However, to see the the gap in the score that we saw and the dominant win Alabama had, it goes to show that we are in this for the long haul. And it's leading us, uh, the momentum carrying us over into it is definitely going to help from this. So, having said all that, let me break it down a little bit for y'all. Um on a team stat level, uh, obviously final score 73 to 51. Big win for Alabama. Uh, field goals, we were 23 to 58 uh, to their 19 of 54. Just 19 field goals for Maryland. Um, now, three points, they were one for eight. Uh, so they were not very productive, uh, not many attempts, and only one successful shot from three point. Now, we had six of 21, not really up to our standard when it comes to that percentage. However, uh, it was able to get enough points to put a big enough gap to get that win again. Now, free throws, we were 21 for 28. They were 12 for 21. Team rebounds, uh, we had 44, and they had 32. Total assists, really low in this game for both teams. Seven, Alabama seven to Maryland's six. Steals, we did have nine steals as a team. Uh, blocks, we had four. Total turnovers, we had 11. 
Uh, both, once again, this team in this game, the fouls were even for both teams, and Alabama's largest lead being 24 now. Maryland did have a seven-point lead at one point, but Alabama stayed consistent, uh, stayed disciplined, continued to put the pedal uh, all the way to the floor, uh, that gas pedal all the way to the floor, and pulled out the, the big win. Um, now it's for some individual stats. We did see Brandon Miller get back to his old self, uh, 19-point production. Now he was a little bit lower in the field goal percentage department. He was only 5 for 17. Now coming off of a game where he didn't have much production, we could expect to see a little rust get knocked off. We did see that, but when he had momentum, he did. Uh, he was very productive with those 19 points. Bediaco had 10. Quinterly showed up at 22, leading the team in scoring. Uh, 22 in his 33 minutes on the court. Uh, four for six from three, nine for 14 uh, per, uh, from field goal. Uh, just good performance by him all around. Um, not too many bench points. Uh, a couple sprinkled through throughout. Uh, Pringle only had four minutes playing time coming off of that big game. He did have three points. He was 100% in his one basket. Uh, and so, yeah, definitely definitely a good team performance. Great performance, uh, you know, from Quinterly. And good to see Brandon Miller knock that rust off and come back and get some points on that game. So, uh, having said all that, I'll pass it back to you. We'll kind of talk a little bit about what we saw from that, what we see moving forward. Brandon Miller catching his uh, catching his his bounce back. So we'll go ahead and get into that. Always, and I uh, always appreciate you with the stats. Always good. Um, yeah, Brandon Miller definitely hopping on it again. Uh, kind of like you said, you know, kind of lower in the field goal percentage. Uh, you know, five of seventeen. Um, and, you know, coming off of a groin injury as well, you know, had the groin injury in the SEC tournament that he was kind of trying to get over. And, you know, Texas a and Corpus Christi kind of really bothering him. But, you know, you saw him sit a lot more in that first round of 64 game. But we knew this game they were trying to get him healthy. Obviously, it shows he played 34 of the possible 40 minutes in the game. Uh, so sat literally six <laughs> of the minutes um, that he could, uh, but was still just very active, um, stayed out of foul trouble. Um, you know, averaging his um, season total in points, uh, you know, hitting two very, very, very key threes in the second half. Um, you know, yeah, the field goals were low, but, you know, he got to the free throw line. He was blocking shots. Uh, he was hitting them where they counted. But, you know, again, the guys around him stepping up when it mattered. And, you know, Pediaco, four for five, a good 80%, you know, a 10 and 10 night for him. Sears, a little rusty, one for five, but, you know, very good in the other departments. Five rebounds, three assists. Um, you know, Clowney kind of struggling a bit too, kind of twisted his ankle a bit, but still 31 of the minutes he played as well. Yeah, he was one for five, but, you know, nine rebounds. And, yeah, low point total, but still making it count. And like I said, guys on the bench, Pringle didn't see near the playing time he did. The first game, you know, Gurley saw some good time as well, getting quality points. Uh, Griffin um, – you know, 0 of 3 as well, not scoring. And, you know, Burnett only scoring three. But it's just – it was the – but this was more of a defensive game than, than the first game was because, you know, Maryland was forcing teams to play the second slowest pace of anybody all season. And Alabama is the fastest-paced team in all of college. So, you know, when you kind of put those two together, you know, something's going to have to give. But let's talk about the man of the hour. And let's just talk about the great comeback story of Javon – Quinterly, Mr. JQ March himself, uh, 33 minutes, 9 of 14 from field goal, 4 of 6 of the 6 three-pointers that Alabama had, the 2 by Brandon, but 4 by Javon Quinterly, all, I think, 3 of those I know for a fact in the second half, 
22 points, uh, took over. Uh, I mean, like that's the only thing I can say. And on the anniversary, a year exactly when he tore his ACL in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year, was unsure that he was going to be able to even play again. And for, I think, a short period of time, if he was even going to be able to fully walk on that leg again, because um, that tear was uh, apparently pretty brutal. Uh, but just full circle for Javon Quinterly, so happy for him. Um, couldn't be stopped the other night. And, again, as I said in the NCAA tournament preview, when he's the X factor for this team. Brandon's our best player, but I like to think of Brandon, if the team is a car and we're going through this whole tournament, Brandon is the gas in the car and the engine, but Quinterly's the driver of that car. And he's been here. He's the uh, – like, I mean, if you look, this – Guy right here, outside of Gurley and and Abediaco, outside of that, none of these other guys have any NCAA tournament experience. And Quinterly has the most, obviously. He was a part of that Sweet 16 team two years ago. He's made a run in this tournament. They won the SEC two years ago, just like they did this year. So Quinterly, JQ March, really hitting it where it counted. And if he plays like this going forward, I really don't know of anybody who can beat us. Like you said, uh, the two key components when they're like when he's hitting, he is unstoppable, and he has the experience, he has the level headedness, he has the leadership qualities, and of course, Brandon Miller is the is is the. He's the it factor behind Quinterly's X factor. There's the part that everybody sees, oh, he's it, he's him, he's the one, he's the guy. Yeah, that's going to be Brandon Miller. He's going to be the one uh, with the eyes on him because of what we've seen throughout the season. But Quinterly is that X factor. Like you said, he's the catalyst. He's the, he's the, he's the dark horse in some games, but in all reality, you can't even call him that when he puts up more, more points than anybody else on the team and the whole bench combined. So, um, yeah, dude, it, I'm excited to see what he's got moving forward and, and I'm really excited to see what we're able to do in the Sweet 16, especially given the opponent we're going up against. I'm really excited to see Quinterly and Miller continue to do what they are doing. Oh, for sure. And I like how you put that. I really like that. He's the it factor behind Quinterly's X factor. I really I really like that. That was very well put. Because, um, uh, I mean, I agree with that entirely. Brandon Miller, like you said, he is it. Like, he is that guy, but, you know, he's – He's that right behind the catalyst of Quinterly being the X factor for this team in the tournament. And I'll tell you, it's just it's Quinterly's speed. It's 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 his ability to freeze a guy on a hesitation move and then go right past him to the hole. He plays the ball high off the glass. He's got a very consistent shot. He's getting back to playing like the Javon Quinterly we knew from two years ago. And you know, again, I'm. He can't stress enough how important he is going forward, and I think he knows that. And again, you, you know, just talking about this game too. Um, you you know, we talked about Brandon kind of getting his group back from the first game, still nursing that groin injury. Javon Quinterly is a catalyst, but you know, let's not let it overshadow you know Betty Ako's play in this tournament so far, and really from the SEC tournament. And you kind of harped on on the SEC tournament. Uh, um, recap show as well. And, you know, Betty Ako is just, I think for me, it's his efficiency. I mean, 
he did have four fouls this past game, but he didn't foul out. But then I think the previous game he only had two. But, you know, he's on the boards. He's catching alley-oops. He's, he's, he's protecting the rim exceptionally well. And so I know when you look at Brandon and you look at Javon, you know, you see the point totals. But I don't think it should overshadow that, you know, Betty Ako has – I think he's really anchoring the stellar – the stellar play on the on the defensive end of the ball in this tournament so far. Yeah, dude, one hundred percent. And you remember what I said about who who you thought was going to be the uh, the 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 big the the like kind of we talked about the X factor, but we talked about who was going to be the guy that kind of stood out and really made the difference. And I did say it was probably going to be him in my book uh, defensively. Obviously, just size. His presence on the court is un- unparalleled when it comes to defense. But all, like you said, his efficiency on offense, man, over, I mean, 80% this last game, uh, over 50% in the game before, 100%. He's, he's out there, perfect role, like I said. A lot of these guys are role players, but man, he is filling the shoes that he is in very, very well. Obviously, a double double um, in this last game against Maryland. So can't complain about that. I'll take that from anybody any day. Oh, yeah, I will as well. And um, now as we hop into our last segment and we really preview the Sweet 16 opponent, a potential Elite Eight opponent um, for the Crimson Tide, um, you know, Petty is going to be a big catalyst for this team. But uh, the Tide uh, will play Friday at 530 um, against San Diego State. The Aztecs coming to us from the great state of California in the Sweet 16 in Louisville, Kentucky. Um this team is somebody I didn't really watch until the tournament this year. Uh, you know, they have defeated uh, Charleston and um, Furman uh, to get to the Sweet 16. Uh, so I don't really like saying this, but I'm going to anyway. A little bit of an easier path than Alabama. I know we played a 16 and an 8, but, you know, they played a 12 and a 13. So, Maryland was definitely a tougher game than Furman was. Yes, Furman beat Virginia, but it is March. So, um, But outside of that, um, something that I really have analyzed about the Aztecs is they do have a very intense defense, and they have a strategy where they have an invisible line between the three-point line and the free-throw line. Um, and I forget what they call it. It's called the something line, and I forget what they actually call it. They got like a special name for it. But um, they don't want to let anybody drive past that line, and they do very well at it. And But I think, you know, I kind of put this here, I think this is a big Javon Quinterly game for those quick drives and assists because – Quinterly does have that quick first step. Brandon has that hesitation move, and he's so long and so lengthy with his height and his arms and his legs that he can get past these guys. San Diego State does have some smaller, quicker guards, but I think the length plays a big, big factor in this game. Um, And, uh, Cody, I just want to see what your thoughts are on that because, you know, when you have a team that is trying to push you out, uh, really from getting drives into the paint, knowing that's where Quinterly – has its strength, and that's where we can create a lot. Of, uh, like, what's your take on how Alabama has to approach this game, especially given the circumstance of how the Aztecs play this? <laughs> there we go. Like the, 
this team is so well rounded. Uh, when they when they are when they are on when they're on, like man, when they are when they are hot, they can hit from anywhere. Now we have seen Brandon Miller uh, be especially efficient, like you said, Quinterly especially uh, against defenses that don't necessarily play like this. This is going to be a big challenge because one of our main threats is going to be what they lock down so hard on. I think it's just looking. Uh, ball movement's going to be a big thing. Getting back to the fundamentals of just basic ball movement and keeping your eyes open, seeing the entire court, um, you know, finding the open man on the corner, finding the open man on the wing, those kind of things uh, is going to be crucial. And then being able to stay consistent and uh, execute in those high, high pressure moments for those shooters on those, uh, on the, like I said, in the post, or not in the post, uh, on the wing or in the corner. Uh, just being able to hold hold up against the pressure and keep your eyes open on the court. Uh, if if the defense is covering one thing, they're not covering the other, right? That's that's one thing we learned. One opportunity closes one more open, so you have to keep your eyes open and play. Every all five players on the court have to be on the same page. As long as they do that, I think that that the defense would be be able to be overcome, and we do have enough weapons enough. Uh, of all shapes and sizes, uh, off the bench, on the starting line, anything like that. So I think that we'll be all right. But, yeah, that's going to be the key is keeping your eyes open, staying consistent, and fundamentally sound. I agree. And, and and I mean, it's – it's. I mean, for a game like this, you know, if they're really going to guard that invisible line that hard, if they start to sag off, we have three-point shooters. And if they start doing that, I think we've got to take them out of their game, which is something that Oates is very good at getting teams out of is that – He's very good and making and you know, I've heard him so many times this year, you know, of some of the footage I've seen from pregame speeches, halftime speeches from Oates. He says, Let's go out there and take them out of their game and make them play our game. If we make them play our game, we've got them beat. And I think really if you go back and you watch Alabama and Maryland, um, yeah, it was tight the first half, and Maryland had a great defense. They did hats off to them. Um, very senior laden team, a lot of experience. Um but Alabama made them play their game uh, in the second half. I mean, it was Alabama's terms. It was on Alab- like it like it was on the Crimson Tide's terms in the second half. And you know, Maryland couldn't do anything to stop it. And I mean, but I think Alabama has the ability to overcome maybe an early defensive war with their offense that they carry on later in the game. Because I think definitely something I something I really saw about. The Aztecs is – they have a great defense when it comes to really keeping people out of the paint. But on the offensive side of the ball, and I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but offensive side of the ball, I haven't really seen anything that necessarily really impresses me. I mean, like, they do move the ball well, and, you know, they they, they do get good shots inside. But, you know, offensive efficiency-wise, you know, of the 16 teams, I think they're sitting down there. Of the 16 teams that are left, I think they're currently sitting at, like, number 12 or 13 in offensive efficiency. And Alabama's up there in the higher ones. Now, what's winning in these games is the is the efficiency they have on the other side of the ball. But Alabama has a high offensive and defensive efficiency. So I think when you put those two cows together, I still think – San Diego State hasn't faced anybody with the length and the height and the aggressiveness of Alabama. Now, San Diego State is a very physical team. I saw that evident in the round of 32 game. But then again, I try not to look too much into that because it was Furman. So 
Furman and Alabama kind of two different playing fields here. Now, yes, they were in the round of 32. Yes, they beat Virginia. Not taking anything away from them there. But let's be honest, a 16 seed upset a one seed again and then got rocked in the second round. So, I mean, anybody can play well on any given day and somebody can be off. But at the end of the day, doesn't mean that the other teams are not more talented, more skilled than you. Just may mean that you execute a little bit like that you are more efficient. That's a a good way of saying that you're more efficient than they are on that day. So that's kind of what I think happened. But I think as far as that, I think Alabama has a good ability to really stretch out the Aztecs defense and get points inside. But also I think it's just a game where we kind of see that three-point shot start to kind of creep up again uh, against the Aztecs. Yeah, dude, I agree. I think their ability to uh, – I think it really, like I said a second ago, I'll hound on it again. The precision passing and the high percentage shots is going to be everything. Um, if they want to, if they want to play tight on the, if they want to play tight on the outside, then we got to have the quick first step precision passing, create opportunities when they're shutting down the what, what we have set up, and you and we know about offensive play calling in basketball, man. It, in any moment, it changes. Nobody can ever. You know, you don't ever run a play, a drawn-up play, and it go exactly the way you wanted it to. Very rarely does that ever happen, especially when you're going up in a defense like this. Creating the opportunities in the moment and then taking the smartest shot with the highest likelihood of success. About It's everything. Play Whoever plays smarter in this game is going to win. And I think Alabama's aggression is going to carry them a long way. Their ability to endure the beginning defensive attack that, that uh, San Diego State's going to be coming at us with, definitely able to with, with, withhold that. I think the first half is going to be a hold-off game, and I think second half is going to be dial it up and get the precision and the aggression all dialed in. Once we've learned how their defense is going to play, we're going to attack with everything we have in the second half. And I say, I mean, I see it being a 15, 20-point gap in this one too if they can if they can do those things that I've said. I can, I can see that happening too, and, 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 you know, I think that's a great assessment of that game. And – I have one key factor that I want everybody to watch for on Friday night, and I think this is where the game is going to be won or lost here. Some that Alabama's done really well ever since the SEC tournament, too. Some they weren't really doing the greatest job at to end the regular season, but definitely just got on the high horse um, in the SEC tournament and especially these last two games in the NCAA tournament. I want you to watch the offensive glass for Alabama. Clowney's on it, Brandon's on it, Quinterly's on it, Sears is on it, you know, Pediaco's on it, Pringle's on it. Pringle, of his 15 rebounds in the round of 64, I think eight of those were on the offensive glass, and he got three and ones that day. That's what's that's the type of plays you make in March in this tournament that separates the good teams from the great teams. It it tells you the guys that want it. It tells you, it shows you the guys who desire to go to a higher level in this tournament in March. And I think that's something you need to look out for on Saturday. Watch the offensive glass for the uh, Crimson Tide. Just watch the offensive glass. I think that's going to be a key point. And watch the discrepancy if there is some right there. Like, just watch. Uh, keep your eye on that stat if it pops up on the screen or if you're keeping up with it on the ESPN app or anything like that. You keep up and you really watch uh, offensive rebounds. You look at what that number is. And I hope that we continue to be aggressive on that because these first two games we really have. Yeah, 100%. 
definitely going to be a key factor, second chance points, and defensive rebounding as well, just staying on the board. I agree. And then potential Elite Eight opponent, you know, uh, if the Crimson Tide does prevail against the Aztecs, uh, they will be taking on the winner of uh, Creighton and Princeton. Uh, Cody, I don't think you or I either won. Um, I know I had Creighton in my bracket to make the Sweet 16, but I don't think either of us uh, imagined they'd be playing Princeton. No, yeah, definitely, definitely an odd turnout. This whole bracket itself has just been crazy from the get. Um, definitely, uh, the other side of my bracket's holding holding together a little bit better when it comes to Arkansas going deep, UCLA going deep, uh, Kansas State and Tennessee obviously are are going deep. Um, Tennessee and Duke was definitely a, a ruiner for me. But let's talk about Princeton and Creighton. So Creighton beating Baylor, um, not necessarily a huge upset. Teams were pretty comparable when it came to their uh, their scheduling and their their strength of schedule, and uh, even their record was really really similar. Um, but dude, Princeton over Arizona over Missouri—I don't think anybody could have predicted this. So, who would I love to play? I would love to play Creighton. I think it's a better game statistically, but I'd love to see Princeton beat them. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see Alabama play Princeton. I think that's a great, I mean, a great thing for Princeton as far as the school getting this deep and doing as well as they're doing, especially from the 15th seed. Um, I would love to see that. Uh, but you know me, one step in front, one step in front of the other, you know, one step at a time. So uh, let's get through San Diego State and hopefully play either one of these teams. I feel like would be a, a fun matchup to watch, definitely, especially leading into the, uh, the, the final four uh, potentially going up against uh, – I know who I have my pick, but I'm just going to keep it to myself, I guess, for now. We'll talk about that next time. But, yeah, dude, uh, interesting game coming up, either team. I agree. Um, I agree entirely. Um, Creighton – yeah, Creighton and Princeton is going to be a very interesting, uh, very interesting game. I agree. Um, Princeton, you know, getting this far, uh, you know, hats off to him, And, you know – I've told everybody that I've talked to this week or anybody that sent me anything on the page, I said, if you've made it to the Sweet 16, I mean, like every day, like I think like you said um, in last week's preview, you said you each, – each day after the two days, the field is cut in half every day. So half of the teams are gone, and if you make that half, you you have done something. And – Oates said it after they won the round of 32. He says, after tomorrow night, because we played on that Saturday, he says, after Sunday, he says, there are 16 teams left in this tournament. There were 64 to start, technically 68. He says, so when you're in the top 16, he says, the teams that make the 16 and the Elite 8, there's a reason that they call it the Sweet 16, but there's a reason that they also call it the Elite 8. Because it's – when you look at it, these teams deserve to be there. I mean – some people can say, oh, well, the 15 seeds a fluke or this is a fluke. Well, no, they've won games to, to, to get there. They've done what it takes to get there. So I'm not counting anybody out, but I, I really, really think that personally looking at it, just like you, I would love to see um, Princeton win, but – you know, we got a lot of good games tomorrow, Kansas State and Michigan State. You know, Tom Izzo uh, has his team in the tournament, I believe, for like the 22nd, 23rd consecutive year. Arkansas and UConn, uh, I had UConn there, but I did not have Arkansas there. I thought Arkansas, with the way they were playing towards the end of the season, not too good. 
FAU Tennessee definitely didn't have that one there. Bracket gone to crap right there. So that that should be interesting. Gonzaga UCLA good matchup two and a three in that side. So a lot of good games tomorrow. But then you got um, obviously us San Diego State Miami Houston is going to be interesting. Miami's a physical team. We know what Houston is. We play them this year, Princeton and Creighton, and then Xavier and Texas. So I really think this year's field of the Sweet 16, I really think this is a solid group of the final 16 teams that are in this tournament. And I think it has – I just think overall for these next two days of Clarity and Friday, I think it has the potential to be one of the best Sweet 16s we've seen in the last 10 years. Yeah, dude, I agree, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm kind of glad we're on the uh, the uh, south and east side of this joker because um, I'm looking at these teams. You look at Houston, Xavier, Texas, UConn, Gonzaga, UCLA, and even Arkansas. I mean, I, I know I had Arkansas going deep. I had Arkansas going all the way to the, uh, the Elite Eight, I believe, in my bracket, and we'll see if that happens. But, man, that is some stacked teams, and we're going to have to play one of them if we keep this up. We beat San Diego State and then either Creighton or Princeton, and then, of course, uh, my mystery pick that I'm not going to say because I just can't do it. I absolutely can't do it, but, you know, I hate that freaking team. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. I know who Mr. Saxon is talking about. Uh, I can't say. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's definitely – this is a crazy bracket, but I really like the way it's shaping up and the way it's looking. I do too. And I always say the good thing, without getting too far ahead of myself, if we do make it to the championship game of UConn, Houston, or Gonzaga gets there, here's a good thing. Yes, we lost to UConn and Gonzaga, but but we did beat Houston in Houston without Brandon Miller hitting a field goal, and we were down by 15. We won by 15. All right. In Houston, when Houston was ranked number one, a fully healthy Houston, I might add. But here's the good thing about Houston, Gonzaga, and UConn. Alabama knows who they are. They've played them already. Especially if you get UConn or Gonzaga, there's a little bit of revenge on the mind. So, just saying, um, you've heard it. It's hard to beat a team twice in the same year. So, we're just going to see what happens. This is shaping up to be a good two days. Um, a good Friday, uh, well, obviously a good Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, if Alabama wins, they'll play Sunday. Uh, so it's shaping up to be a um, shaping up to be an interesting, pivotal weekend. To potentially two wins away from going to the Final Four is the Crimson Tide. So um, as we wrap up the show, uh, Cody, you got any closing thoughts or remarks? Roll Pod, as always, I uh, would like to just say that nobody's bracket is intact. Nobody. So, no pride in saying that I picked some of these teams out of the uh, – or no shame in saying that I picked some of these teams out of uh, love for the team and not necessarily statistics. Uh, I would just like to put it out there. I've been a Duke basketball fan for as long as I've loved basketball and really as long as I've been watching sports on TV at all. Watching them lose to – watching them lose to the team I hate more than anything in the world uh, was brutal. It was freaking brutal. But they played one heck of a game, and Duke just really choked in the second half. So, having said all that, um, Alabama's the only team I got in this fight anymore. Uh, I would like for my uh, West predictions to kind of pan out, but, however, Alabama's the only dog I got left in this fight. Obviously, it's the number one dog I was with from the beginning. Roll Tide, as always. 
Uh, I want to see them ride this thing all the way out, and I want to prove to everybody in the country that this is not a football school. This is a sports school. Everything across the board, we can handle it. We know we got a good softball team. We know we've had on and off good baseball team. We know, but let's talk about this. Basketball, Alabama is going to be a basketball school. Alabama is the next Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina. That's what we are, and that's what I want to see. And I want to see us win this championship on April 3rd. Just like you said, uh, everything school, everything school is important. And, and um, I really think that uh, not only Alabama uh, on this side of basketball, but can we talk about their wheelchair league? The men's and the women's just won the national championship again. So, hey, let's complete the trifecta and let's win it in our league now. But congrats to those two as well. But, Man, I'm telling you, um, great season uh, overall to this point. 31 wins, five losses. Um, Eclipse 30 wins for the first time in school history. Nate Oates is doing some amazing things. So the um, last thing I have is just a, a giant roll tide. Um, enjoy the games this weekend. Um, and uh, I hope after Sunday uh, we're, we are holding up the trophy for the South Region winners, and I hope we are um, – headed to the Final Four next Saturday. And uh, I definitely hope a week from Monday uh, we're in Houston playing for a title because uh, that will be absolutely, absolutely fantastic. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much Let's for the support. Uh, just, um, I want to say shout-out to all you guys. Huge announcement. Uh, we eclipsed 14,000 followers on the page, on the Instagram page. So, round of applause to all of you guys. Uh, just – just the support on the page. Um, I mean, the page is not even three years old yet. And, and, you know, it's already the, to a 14 K and still growing, um, for the, um, for the Alabama player tournament that I just, um, concluded today, um, 41,000 total votes, uh, for that whole series. Again, um, I only had 18,000 last year for the first year of trying that out. So improved that drastically in the, in the uh, participation for that. So thank you guys so much for that. Uh, we're going to be bringing you spring central is now spring practices started back again. Um, again, just really appreciate you guys just to input on the page, uh, your comments. Thanks you for tuning into the interviews and um, anything else that we do on there. Uh, just, uh, you know, thank you for listening to the podcast. I've seen our, followers on Spotify have grown uh, since the beginning of the year. Um, I think we've eclipsed. Um, I think we grew, I want to say in the last month, we gained about 130, 140 um, consistent listeners on Spotify. Um, so again, um, just appreciate you guys. Uh, y'all are what causes this page to go. Um, y'all are the, Y'all are the lifeline of this page. Uh, you know, without y'all, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have any reason to post. Uh, but it's all for you guys, and I just appreciate you guys. And uh, um, just uh, extremely from the bottom of my heart, uh, just sincere thank you and um, appreciation. Yeah, I, I second that thought. We appreciate y'all, and y'all just keep keep tuning in, keeping up with the page on Instagram, and of course our Apple and Spotify as well. Always well. 
we're going to see what happens this weekend in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. This is where uh, the pretenders go to sleep and the contenders uh, apparently rise up. So um, we're going to see who's pretending and who's contending uh, for a Final Four spot in Houston. Uh, But thank you all for tuning in tonight, and uh, we will be back hopefully next week with some good news on the podcast, hopefully headed to a Final Four. So good night, God bless, and roll tide. Thank you.